For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject the Threshold Covenant. This is part three of the series. Now we're going to see that Adam had the job of being the doorkeeper of the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it is written, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. The Hebrew word is shamar, which means to guard it. And the word is associated with a watchman. A thief does not go through the door. So in this case, in the Garden of Eden, it was Adam. So how did Hasatan, being the thief or the robber, he tried to get access to the man through the woman. He didn't go directly to the man himself. And so he acted like a thief or a robber. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And Adam fails to be the guardian of the garden and the guardian of his wife. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat also. Now we're told in the New Testament in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14 that Adam was not deceived, but it was the woman who was deceived being in the transgression. So Adam failed to be the guardian of the garden and the guardian of his wife, but the serpent didn't go through the guardian of the garden, Adam, but he went in through another way. He tried to bring down the man or to usurp the man's authority by going through the man's wife. Now, the next thing that we're going to see in this study is that that which was associated to the individual house itself, which we have adequately gone through in detail and explaining how the threshold covenant pertains to a family house. Now that concept that pertains to the family house, we're now going to see got extended into the community at large and the domain that was seen as the individual family house is going to become the temple 
of the community. So the temple is seen as a community house. And this is explained in the book, The Threshold Covenant by Clay Trumbull on page 89. A temple is only a more prominent house. A temple in ancient times was seen as a dwelling of the God of the community or of the nation or of the city, guarding an aggregation of families. That would be the community. And then there were priests who stood before him and the community. Spiritually, the temple is the house of Yeshua. Matthew chapter 21, verse 12 is written. And when Yeshua went into the temple of God, and he said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer. Yeshua was quoting from Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7, as it is written, And them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. We can also see that the temple is the throne of Yeshua. In Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 5 and verse 7, it is written, So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. So Yeshua is the glory of the Lord because we can see in Revelation in chapter 21 and verse 23. Now this is speaking of the New Jerusalem. It says the city had no need of the sun, neither the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it and the lamb is the light. So the lamb is the light and the light is the glory of God. And so Yeshua is the glory of God. And we see in Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 5, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. It goes on to say in Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 7, He said unto me, Son of man, the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet, where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. Now, Yeshua's temple is not to be defiled. Ezekiel chapter 41, verse 1, afterward he brought me to the temple. Verse 7, he said to me, Son of man, the place of my throne and the place of my soles and my feet, where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever, and my holy name shall the house of Israel no more defile, neither they nor their kings, nor their, by their whoredoms, nor by the carcasses of their kings in their high places. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We can see this from 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 16 and 17, as it is written. Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. We can also see how our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In verses 19 and 20, as it is written, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We can also see this from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 15 and 16. And what concord has Messiah with Belial? Or this is referring to Baal. 
Or what part has he that believes with an infidel? In what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Furthermore, we can see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, that the temple of God is holy and is not to be defiled. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So let's summarize what we've covered in this section of the teaching on the threshold covenant. We've covered the following. Number one, Yeshua is the door or the threshold to the heavenly father. Number two, the guardian of the door or the threshold is called a watchman or a porter. Number three, a thief does not come through the door of a house because crossing the threshold is an implied covenant. Number four, Yeshua is our Passover lamb and we are his house. Number five, Yeshua's shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins and it's to be put on the doorpost of our heart. Number six, a believer in Yeshua is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Number seven, our temple is not to be defiled with sin. Number eight, the threshold of a house is to be honored and respected. Number nine, when we sin, we show disrespect for the shed blood of Yeshua by stepping upon his threshold door. Number 10, Adam was the doorkeeper or the watchman or the porter of the Garden of Eden. Number 11, Satan, being a thief or a robber, did not go through Adam, the doorkeeper, to cause him to sin, but through Adam's wife, Eve. Number 12, Adam was not deceived in the transgression and thus failed to guard the house, that is, the Garden of Eden. Next, we're going to see that a private landmark was seen as a threshold altar of the owner of a property. From the book, A Threshold Covenant by Clay Trumbull, on page 152, he explains, A private landmark was a sacred boundary and was a threshold altar for its possessor. To remove or to disregard such a local threshold was an offense, not only against its owner, but against the God in whose name it had been set up. From the book, The Threshold Covenant by Clay Tremble, on page 152, he explains that the boundary of a property, which is seen as a threshold of a region, is the place of authority of the God of that area. The protecting God of the region thus bounded was recognized as having sway in that region, in that domain. And those who were dwellers there were in covenant relation with that God. Therefore, it was that boundary line of such domain, it was deemed as its threshold and as such was held sacred as a place of worship and of sacrifice. So now we're going to explain this concept in the ancient world. The Sumerians were from the land of Shinar, and we have this understanding. The earliest known inhabitants of Mesopotamia were the Sumerians, whom the Bible refers to as the people of the land of Shinar, Genesis chapter 10, verse 10. Then the Bible tells us that Nimrod built Babylon. 
Genesis chapter 10, verse 1, verse 6, verse 8, and verse 10. Now these are the generation of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the sons of Ham, Cush, and Cush begat Nimrod. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel in the land of Shinar. Next, we're going to understand the Sumerian religious system. In the area of religion, the Sumerians in the land of Shinar had a system of gods, each with a main temple in each city. Marduk at the city of Babylon, so that he became the chief god of the Babylonian gods and of the Babylonian religion. Among the gods were Shamash, the sun god, and Ishtar, goddess of love and war. Babylonian religion was temple-centered with elaborate festivals and many different types of priests. From the book, The Threshold Covenant by Clay Tremble on page 210, he explains, A pagan temple had a ziggurat as an altar in sexual worship of a deity. So now we're going to begin to explain to you the concepts how in the ancient world Baal and Ashtoreth or Ishtar were worshipped by not only the people in the land of Canaan, but in areas like Babylon itself and how the children of Israel were influenced to also worship Baal and Ashtoreth. So we read from 210 of the Threshold Covenant by Clay Tremble, among the earliest forms of the temple as a place of worship was the ziggurat, a stepped pyramid erected as a mighty altar with its shrine or holy of holies at the summit, wherein a bride of the gods awaited the coming of the god to solemnize the primal threshold covenant in expression of his readiness to enter into a loving communion with the children of men. From this custom, the practice of threshold covenanting at the temple doorways became incumbent on women of all conditions of society at certain times and under certain circumstances in certain portions of the world as a proof of their religious devotion. And thus there grew up all the excesses of sacred prostitution in different parts of the world. One of the most important aspects of Babylonian religion and tradition, and probably the best known, is the ziggurat. Ziggurats were huge stepped structures with, on their summit, far above the ground, a temple. This temple would have been made unto the city god. Ziggurats were built to reach nearer the heavens, and so they were at the high places of a city or a region. This was so that the gods could be contacted and worshipped. The size and splendor of a ziggurat would show the city and king's devotion to the particular city god being worshipped. They might have temples to other gods, but they would only have a ziggurat to the premier god of the city. So in Mayan culture, they also had ziggurats as an altar. And you can see this if you go to Mexico or Central America. Next, we're going to see that Marduk was the principal god of the city of Babylon. The conventional writing of the name of Marduk means bull calf of the sun. 
With the gods' rise to supreme importance, he is often simply referred to as Bel, meaning Lord. The animal of Marduk was the snake dragon. The snake dragon was a true composite beast consisting of a scaled body, a serpent's head, the horns of a viper, feline, leninine, front feet, and hind feet of a taloned bird, and a scorpion's tail. Now, the Bible tells us that the Jewish people of the southern kingdom, that they went into Babylonian captivity. The Bible records that it was Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, who destroyed Jerusalem and brought the southern kingdom of Judah to an end and carried off the Jews into exile. And so when they went to Babylon, they would have encountered the temples of Babylon and they would have to enter in through the gates of the city. And the Ishtar gate was the starting point for processions in Babylon. The Ishtar gate was one of eight gates of the inner city of Babylon, and it was built during the reign of Nebuchadnezzar II, who lived from 604 to 562 BC. The Ishtar gate was the main entrance into Babylon, and King Nebuchadnezzar II of Babylon dedicated the great Ishtar gate to the goddess Ishtar. The Ishtar gate was decorated with glazed brick release in tiers of dragons and young bulls, which symbolized the gods Marduk and Adad. The Ishtar gate of Babylon had an inscription, and this inscription read as follows. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the faithful prince appointed by the will of Marduk, I placed wild bulls and ferocious dragons in the gateways and thus adorn them with luxurious splendor so that people might gaze on them in wonder. I let the temple of the highest festival house of Marduk, the Lord of the gods, a place of joy and celebration for the major and minor gods be built firm like a mountain in the precinct of Babylon of asphalt and fired bricks. The procession street led from the Ishtar gate through the center of Babylon to the main temple enclosure, the building of the foundation of heaven and earth where stood Marduk's ziggurat, or the house that lifts up its head. So as I'm explaining to you in the culture, once you went inside the gates of the city, you were to respect and honor the god of the city or the god of the region. And so who was worshipped in Babylon? Marduk, Baal, Ishtar. And so this is how the children of Israel initially were pressured into worshipping Baal and Ishtar to show their allegiance to the land where they were living. Otherwise, they would be regarded as outcasts. And so let's summarize this section of the teaching which we have covered. Number one, the boundary of an area or a city was seen as the place of authority of the deity or the god of that region that was worshipped. Number two, the gates of a city were seen as crossing the threshold into the area of the deity or the god of that region. Number three, when you entered into the gates of a city, you were expected to show honor and respect and or worship the deity or the god of that city. Number four, 
Ziggurats were altars to ascend to the temple of the city god. Number five, Babylon worshipped Baal and Ishtar. Number six, the Ishtar gate was the main entrance into Babylon. Number seven, Marduk, a name for Baal, was the chief god of Babylon. And number eight, in going into Babylonian captivity, the children of Israel ended up worshiping Baal and Ishtar. Next, we're going to see how Babylon worshipped Baal and Ishtar. Two principal deities of ancient Babylon were Baal and Ishtar. Baal was the god of war and the elements. So if you want to be blessed in your war against your enemies, then you would have to worship Baal so you would have success in your wars. Ishtar was the goddess of fertility, both human and agricultural. So if you were to be blessed in the harvest of your land, if you wanted that blessing, then you would have to worship Ishtar. Now, the other names for Baal were Bel, Balat, Molech, Merodach, Mars, and Jupiter, and was frequently represented as a bull. And the two main elements in the worship of Baal were fire and human sacrifice, usually children. Ishtar was called Aphrodites, Ashtardi, Ashtoreth, Diana, Europa, Isis, Semiramis, and Venus. Ishtar was worshipped through offerings of produce and money, as well as through fornication with temple prostitutes. So we can see the main elements of Baal or Ishtar worship. It was the worship of the gods of war, nature or weather, love, sexuality, fertility, or agriculture. And so if you wanted to have the blessings of the gods in these areas in Babylonian society, you had to worship Baal and Ishtar. We can see that the children of Israel worship Baal and Ishtar from Judges chapter 2, verse 11 and verse 13, as it is written. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served Baalim. And they forsook the Lord, and they served Baal and Ashtoreth. The sins of Solomon were the worship of Baal and Ishtar, as it is written in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1, verse 5, and verse 7, as it is written. But King Solomon loved many strange women, women of the Ammonites, the Zidonians. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians. Then did Solomon build a high place for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And Asherah is associated with Baal worship. Judges chapter 6, verse 30. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out your son that he may die, because he has cast down the altar of Baal, and because he cut down the grove that was by it. And Asherah is associated with Baal worship, as we can see in 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 32 and 33. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove. And Asherah was a phallic symbol. Baal and Ishtar worship incorporated illegal sexual acts. And Asherah was nothing but a phallic symbol. In the book, The Secret of Crete by H.G. Wunderlich, Well, that's going to conclude part three of the series on the subject, The Threshold Covenant.
Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts in order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others. We are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S T R A S B U R G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.